Who you calling crazy? Welcome to Who You Calling Crazy. This is a unique mental health podcast. We are erasing the stigma and elevating and normalizing dialogue around mental health. Of course, we'll be sharing practical therapy tips, but most importantly, we'll be diving into the stories and vulnerability of people you know or want to know. I'm your host, Juliette Cunley. So today we have Colleen back for a follow-up episode. It's the second time I've done a a where are they now kind of episode. And our conversation the first time was wonderful. We talked about anxiety and Tourette's and body image and just what it means to be a human in this shit show that we're living in. And a lot has happened in just the last several months. So I'm grateful to you for coming on here again today with me. Oh, it is my pleasure. I'm honored that you asked, Juliet. Thank you very much. Of course. So the main thing that has happened is the big D word, right? So you have gone going through a divorce. Can you fill us in just a little bit on that? Because I want to hear more about your mental health and all of that in a way that could be helpful to our listeners. Sure. Well, I'm doing much better now. It was 11 months ago that my husband of 21 years moved out of our home. And 11 months already? I'm sorry. I just, yeah. Yeah. It's been 11 months. Yeah. I remember the text, I guess it was when you first told me, I cannot believe that was 11 months ago. Yeah. I may not have told you right away. I don't remember. My memory's a little foggy on timeline stuff, but I do know the day that he moved out. It was 11 months ago from the date of this recording and I didn't see it coming. And I mean, we'd been having issues for a while for the past two years and it was not something that I wanted. And so I really have struggled in the months since then. I'm doing much better now because I'm committed to the work. I'm committed to therapy. I'm committed to doing the healing and and learning healthier ways to deal with it. But to be very honest with you, at first, I did not handle it very well. So you ask about my mental health. I mean, I kind of went like mm-hmm. all aboard the cuckoo train. Mm-hmm. Like I was the, you know. Who are you like, calling I- crazy? Colleen. <laughs> Colleen was crazy. Totally. Yeah. You know, and here I am. I have been worked in the broadcast business for 30 years. I have my own business now. I'm a certified life coach. I help people uh, reach goals and make changes in their life, things that they're not happy with. And here I am in the biggest shit show of my life, you know, the most painful experience. It was hard for me to show up. It was hard for me to show up for my clients. I stopped taking on new clients because I couldn't handle it. And I was hard to do my podcast. I missed a few episodes. I went silent on Instagram, which I think you noticed at one point and you asked me about it. You were concerned, which was very nice of you. So I wasn't doing well. I was doing all kinds of unhealthy things to get through it. I was drinking wine and I would just stay in bed or I would binge watch an entire series, which sometimes that can feel really nurturing and great, but really we know that it's not like, that's not what I thousand percent avoidant. I mean, so good. I did not want to deal. I did not want to deal with it. So I wasn't doing well initially and did some things. It's like, it's almost embarrassing or shameful Mm -hmm. to say because of what I do for a living, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess. I can hear all this sort of like, I feel like a fraud in some ways. Yeah. I would say that that, I felt felt it was just hard for me to show up. You know, I can hold space for people and listen well, and I can do that. And if I can't, I say so, and then I won't. So I really do act in integrity, but Mm -hmm. It was a little bit like, oh God, like my life's falling apart and here I am a life coach. Mm. What the hell? Like I was crying all the time. 
Yeah. Crying all the time. I mean, it's situational depression at that point for sure. And you're already someone who's prone to some depressive or anxiety symptoms. Correct. And for it to have come out of the blue, you were just taken off your feet. Yes. It was like my whole life just felt like this nothingness. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden the calendar looking ahead, it was like, I felt like I had nothing to look forward to. And oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. And I'm 51 years old. And what am I going to do now? So Mm -hmm. yes. So that's what happened in the months following his departure. And then I realized like, I can't live like this and I have to help myself and get help and get support, which is why I believe you doing this podcast and sort of normalizing the mental health concerns, because Mm -hmm. the truth is we all go through things Mm -hmm. and we think that we're so alone in that and terrible things happen to wonderful people Mm -hmm. and things that they have no idea how to navigate. So to go and ask for help. And so I did, I went and I asked for help and I got help and I'm still doing the work and I'm still healing, but I'm at least, look, I'm dressed. I have makeup Mm -hmm. on and I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm showing up. Right. (laughs) Well, and to your point, like terrible things can happen to beautiful people and unexpectedly. I don't know that that's come up a lot in the podcast of just, I'm just swimming along and then boom. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mean that to sound like scary to people like, oh my God, this thing could be looming, but also that's the reality of the human experience. Right. And I think I like that you say that. I don't think people don't like to hear that. You're right. Because they go, ah, like <laughs> you're freaking me out, but it's the truth. It really is. We never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying your husband's going to leave you. That's not what I'm saying, but we just don't know. You don't know when, always know when the job loss is coming or when the diagnosis is coming. Not that we live in fear of it, but that's why we do the work to strengthen our insides and to be as mentally healthy as we can, mind, body, spirit. That's why we work to be healthy because when we are, then we can take the things that life is throwing at us. Right. And there's a lot of normalcy to the trajectory of your healing. And so I want people to hear that too, that you are a person who has done the work for a lot of years and helped others do the work and it still pummeled you. And so that's okay. Right. But it's still, you then had enough foundation to know when you needed to reach out or how to reach out, even if it looked messy. Yes. Even though it was messy and awkward and clumsy, but I did. And and I'm grateful that I knew to do that. And that is what I want people to know. Like if you're living in turmoil all the time, even if it doesn't seem like it's that big of a thing, mm-hmm. you're like, why am I so cranked out all the time? Mm-hmm. Why am I so edgy? Why am I so pissed off? Why am I so anxious? Like my life is fine. Like my can pay my bills and everything's fine, but pay attention to that, those feelings in your body and ask for help. There's no shame in it. It doesn't have to be some big catastrophic thing like yeah. divorce or bankruptcy or doesn't have to be that. If your life is being disrupted, right, then seek help. But I really do believe, that's why sometimes when I say the work, I think, do people who don't do work, do they even know what I'm talking about? That's a great point. That's a great point. Yes. So, okay. So I think that's great. The way that we're defining the work is like self-reflection and things like therapy or yoga or coaching or the things that help you tap into your inner strengths and build your toolbox. Anything you'd add to that? Yes, I would. Uh, (laughs) It's funny because I just got done talking about the tools, distress tolerance skills, and something that I call the happy box. I did a podcast, host a podcast called Wake Up to Your Life Podcast. And I just did a recent episode called Happy Box. And I got the idea from the happy box from six-year-old Lily. We were FaceTiming and she says, oh, this is my happy box. I said, what's that? She says, I put my treasures in it. Oh, well, that's nice. Like what kinds of treasures? Oh, I put my stickers and my seashells and my bows and my medals and my 
cheerleading stuff. And, and I said, and how does it make you feel? And she said, it makes me feel happy. So then I thought, what if our grown up asses had a version of a happy box, mm-hmm. really more like a healing box mm-hmm. is what I call it. And we put our metaphorical happy box or actual happy box, if you will, if you like mm-hmm. arts and crafts. And we make that, we create that when we are in our wise mind, when we're grounded and we're safe. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking clearly, right, is when you can go like, what do I need when I get cranked out, stressed out, hooked? Like I said, all aboard the cuckoo mm-hmm. train, right? <sighs> I know that meditation helps mm-hmm. me. I know that breathing helps me as Juliet teaches so beautifully, mm-hmm. right? I know that prayer can help me. Mm-hmm. I know that walking outside and feeling the sun on my skin and the breeze on my face, I know that that can help me. I know that three minutes of vigorous activity can help me do some jumping jacks, mm-hmm. heading my dog. Yeah. These are things that are better than eating, drinking, spending, watching porn, gambling, whatever you do, Yeah. right? Whatever yep. you do, those things work better at promoting your healing. So to add into that toolbox, the things that you know that you've worked on with your therapist, right? That your therapist has said, these are the things that will promote your healing. I put them in there. I actually write down mantras and affirmations, it. you know, may I live with ease. I put them all in my happy box so that if something happens, like, like during the divorce, it's been very unpleasant as you can imagine. There's lots of like, there can be a snarky text or a very distressing conversation and who gets what. It's awful. Like it sucks as worse than you imagine. Like it's super not fun. And so then I forget all this stuff. I forget the stuff that helps me. So then if I go back to that, I go, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I breathe and I touch the hurting place with love. I touch the hurting place with love because you don't always have access to your therapist, right? You see your therapist once a week. You can't just call her whenever you want, right? You can't just show up at her house. You can't do that. Right. (laughs) Boundaries. We still do that. Yeah. Boundaries. So we need the skills to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Right. Not that we don't get help and support, but you need to remember, oh, wait a minute. Yes. No, I am loved. I am loved. I am safe. I can handle this. The feeling's not going to last forever. A new day will dawn. Yes. Yeah. And when you're that, we hear that all the time, right? When you're escalated is not when you're going to be able to think what your therapist said or what tools you have. So I love this. So I will tell people sometimes either save your Juliet folder in your email or have a binder where you print out the stuff we talk about. I actually just had bracelets made that say, what would my therapist say? It's like a kind of a cheeky, but also a little reminder. But the other thing I wanted to add to that is that I will have people create a sensory box sometimes and a healing box. That's what this is. But to put in worry stones or a little scent of an essential oil that grounds you or calms you, mm-hmm. uh, the piece of maybe that you still have your blankie from when you were little or something that feels good to the touch, other sensorial reminders too. So I love it. The healing box. Mm-hmm. I love that you do that. You're an excellent therapist. I love that you do that. And I really think people can customize it to what works for them. That's right. And right. I'm a sucker for mantras. So I love that. Yep. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Yep. They really work. They really Sometimes work. you're like, I am enough, damn it. You know, <laughs> totally. And I might be saying that and I might even be saying the mantra and going, right. Yeah, right. I'm exactly. loved. Yeah, right. I'm not alone. It's sure as shit feels like I'm alone. Right. So you might not even bite it first, but I would say it's not even to manufacture a fake feeling of like, it's not talking yourself into being okay. Yes. It's not that. It's not like, oh, I feel better now. I was like, oh yeah. Okay. No, that's not what happens, but it settles you. It's soothing. It's yeah. self-soothing in a way that is healthy without boozing or drugging or eating or shopping. Right. You know, and there is 
Yeah. There's brain science too behind positive affirmations. I mean, so they're really powerful. Mm -hmm. All right. So where does shame fit into all of this? These last 11 months. I know we went there. No, it's all right. That's a great question. Okay. I don't know if this is the right answer, but I'll tell you how I felt shame, like how I felt shame in this time, maybe. Okay. I'll tell you what brings me a lot of shame and what is hard for me to accept. And actually it's helpful for me to bring this to the light and say it. So I'm glad you asked. Mm. My children, I have an 18-year-old son and a 19-year-old son, and they are incredible human beings. Really, I know most parents think that about their kids, and sometimes they're assholes, but like in their heart of hearts, I really like them. You know what I mean? In addition to loving them, I really like them. It's amazing. And I think the hardest thing for me or the source of shame is that I don't want this to be their story. I don't like that they have divorced parents. Mm. I don't like that for them. And I feel a lot of shame about that. And I feel, oh, I wish I could have done more. or I should have done more to Mm. save my marriage. And I thought I tried. So that's the shame, Uh I guess, that I have. And trying to let go of it, telling myself, Colleen, there are a lot of people who have divorced parents and- They're okay. And I just hate that it's my kid's story. Mm. Like that they deserved better. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. And it presumes a lot of judgment around what divorce means and what a divorced family looks like. Yeah. I don't necessarily know that that mold has to be the truth. Right. And I know the way that I understand shame to be different from things like guilt or remorse is the language piece around guilt or remorse. Disappointment says I made a mistake or I wish I had done better, but Mm -hmm. shame is more, I am a mistake Mm -hmm. or I wasn't enough. So to your point, that is what I was saying to myself. Not that it was that I am bad. I'm a mistake. I'm not enough. Uh I'm not a good wife. I'm a bad person. I'm not lovable. Mm -hmm. Why would this happen? If I were those things, how could this have happened? So yes, that's the shameful. What is it? Brene Brown says guilt is adaptive. It's like I did something bad. Shame is I am something bad, right? right? And guilt can be adaptive. And I think that's why I spiraled. So you asked about the state of my mental health with the divorce. The reason I think it was so hard is there's so much shame. And I was really believing like, I'm bad. I'm not good enough. Like no one's going to love me. I'm, oh God, like I am a fuck up. Sorry. Can I say that word here? Oh yeah. I'm a fuck up. Like, oh my gosh, because there was so much shame and I'm still working on it. Yeah. I'm better and I have a lot of moments of clarity and clear thinking and knowing what's true. But yeah. as I was saying earlier, if something distressing happens, sometimes I forget and I go back into the pit. Yes. But that's why I have the happy box, the tools that you teach your clients to be able to come back out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it's that practice of bringing yourself back and reminding yourself and starting to reframe the shame. And like you said, putting it to the light and trusting. How do you, how do you reframe the shame? I'm curious. Like if I were in your office right now, we were having a session and I was telling you that I'm just curious, like how do we reframe shame? Well, I think it's exactly what you and I just said around. It's not that you are a mistake or you aren't enough, right? But being able to understand a little bit more, of course, takes two to tango where your agency was in certain dysfunctional patterns or whatever it might be that aren't connected to your value. And then to the bigger point of what you made about it being about the boy's perception that aren't connected to their story necessarily. Like, again, you're presuming this is their story and maybe that's not fair. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe their story, Colleen, is my mom is a badass warrior who was going to find healing and wholeness and step into her power. And we watched her do that. Mm-hmm. 
Right. I hope that's their story. <laughs> I hope that's their story. That's really good. And I hope that's encouragement to anyone listening right now who is experiencing shame, mm-hmm. that there is a way out of it. And isn't it so often that we are assuming what others think about it? It really oh. is. Right. Yes. We have to check that. Made me think of something else. People were shocked to find out that I was getting a divorce because we've been married so long. And if you see pictures of my family, mm-hmm. like we're super cute. Like my husband, ex, I don't even know what to call him. That guy, very handsome. My kids are nice looking. Like we had nice family photos photos because we took professional family pictures every year. And people said like, you guys look so happy. And we were, we had many happy years. There is real love there. I still love him. I will always love him. He's the father of my children. Yeah. And I believe that he loves me too. Yeah. Our marriage expired, but that we still care for each other. And so people would see these pictures on social media or they'd meet my husband at events. Like I would MC something and everyone say, oh, he's just so great. So then when I'm getting a divorce and everyone said, but mm-hmm. you guys look so happy. <laughs> so then there was shame about that. Like I felt like I was letting other people down. I mean, I even had a very prominent person in Charlotte where I live say to me that she always looked to my family. Mm my marriage and say like, man, they have it figured out. Mm. Like people who know us were in church every Sunday and my kids were teaching Sunday school and my husband was too. So they were like, wow, I really thought you had it figured out. And I was like, yeah, well, I guess I don't. Like, I don't know what to <laughs> say. That is this weird pressure. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. Yeah. So it added to my yeah. shame. I didn't get it right. Even everybody right. thought I would. And that is really the crux of this whole podcast is, you know what you mean by crazy is human. You fucking mean human. <laughs> and so I feel like I try to do that all the time too, is not therapists off that quote unquote pedestal too. I don't have all my shit figured out and I don't want the weight of your assumptions that I do because <laughs> that's not fair. That's right. And I love that you say that. I love that you say that. It's really important to show that that doesn't make you any less of a therapist. This doesn't make me any less of a coach. Yes. If anything, I think these things are better. I think it's better. Yes. <laughs> Empathy, right? compassion. Yes. Oh. yes. 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 All right. Yeah. That's a mic drop. Cause I hear that. So you're unlearning and you're shedding that shame that doesn't even belong to you too. Yes. Oh my gosh. You said that so beautifully. Yes. That is what I'm doing. You are right. That mm-hmm. is what I'm doing. And the way I do that is by, like you said, reframing it, mm-hmm. questioning it, going, wait a minute, that's not true. Doing the mantras and the affirmations and Mm-hmm. Touching the hurting, touching the places that hurt yep. with love, yes. touching those places with love and that heals. And now I can go, wait a minute. No, I'm not a mistake. And mm-hmm. gosh, like, yeah, here are some things that I could have done better. It's more sex or been sweeter or things like that. Like maybe I could have done that, but I didn't, but I've learned and I'm going to be better for my next person mm-hmm. because of what I've learned. That's mm-hmm. more of the space I'm moving into now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell me about community your girls in particular that rallied. I am blessed. I do not deserve the female friends I have Mm. in my life and male friends too. I have a couple of those Mm -hmm. who are really close to me and they really cared for me. I mean, picked me up literally off the floor, picked me up, stopped by my house when I'd go silent because I tend to go dark. I just go dark and I hide from everyone. I don't answer. I can't because I think I can't deal with it, which I can deal with it, but I just get, I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want people to go like, how are you doing? And how's work? And how's your kids? I'm like, things have been better. (laughs) So I don't want to answer those questions. I can now because things are better because Mm -hmm. things are better. So community is so critical for any of us who are going through a difficult time or even a great time. But I'm very fortunate to have friends who love me and cared for me and checked on me, like I said, and just showed up and brought dinner and said, I'm going to sit with you tonight because Mm -hmm. they know that I'm lonely. And it wasn't like pity. It wasn't gross like that. It was loving. It was loving. It wasn't like, oh, they felt sorry for me. They wanted me to remember who I am. Mm. And they have
have helped me to remember who I am. And I don't know that I would be here if they had not cared for me in the way that they did. So I don't know, Juliet, if you hear this from your clients, I hear this from a lot of people. They feel like their friendships are lacking. They're not deep enough. They're not intimate enough. And I've had people even say to me, well, it must be nice to have friends like that because I don't have that. And when I went through my thing, no one Mm -hmm. came and did that for me. And I say, I'm so sorry that you didn't have that, but you can create that. You can develop those kinds of relationships with people so that you have those people in times of need. And one way you do that is you be that person for other people. Go out and be a healing presence for other people. If you suspect someone is hurting and going through something difficult, ask them, show up, Mm -hmm. right? Not in a nosy weirdo way, but in a kind, compassionate, it. You seem a little off. What's going on? Do you need somebody? Right? Like we have to dare to enter into those relationships. So it takes a minute to find that community, I think. And surely this has even strengthened it. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 To get a friend, you've got to be a friend. Yeah. And knowing who those, that inner tribe is, that inner pact of people, the people that you know you can count on. And I think you're right. It's building that with consistency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You have to put in the time. You have to log the hours with a person. But yes, I think we all need community. And I don't mean the gaggle of best friends. That's not what I'm talking mm -hmm, about. mm -hmm. We see that stuff on Instagram. Like it seems like everybody's out with the bus, babes. And oh, aren't they all just so fabulous? And they're all like, no, like, no, 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 no. Those people don't even have it. The inner people, the closest people that you can say anything to and they still love you and they're not freaked out by your weirdness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, they're drawn to you because of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. They want to be around it. I love Mm. that they helped me remember who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we forget. Yeah. We forget. Yeah. My narrative was I'm not good enough and I am a mistake and I'm a mess and no one's going to want me and I'm old and washed up Mm -hmm. and not important and life is over. Mm -hmm. No. Not true. Right. My life with him is over. My life isn't over. I am still lovable. I am still vibrant. I still have a lot to offer. I bring a lot to the table. Like they reminded me of that. And then I started to remember it again. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it is an identity shift. I mean, there was the identity of Colleen as a wife of him, right? And now there's this identity shift to figure out who you are on your own. Yeah. And it still terrifies me a little bit. Mm -hmm. I will not lie about that. I continue to work on that and it rarely does it feel thrilling. It Mm -hmm. usually feels scary. Mm -hmm. What I want it to feel like is thrilling and exciting. Like, Oh, I could live anywhere. Oh, date a new person. But really, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know where to live. And I, like, it all terrifies me. So that's still more of my healing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I have to do. Yep. But even hearing you say, I want to feel that, I like that. That's forward moving. It it means you believe it. Mm -hmm. I do believe it. I do believe it. Yeah. And I even have moments where I feel it. I have moments I feel it. I'm getting there and I will get there. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. I think it's just bound to be helpful for people to understand the journey of shame, of healing, of grief, of loss. And it's not linear. It's not all uphill, the healing. There's no closure. I hate that word. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you hate that word and say that. I love that you say that oh, because yeah. there's not. I think that we never get over stuff, but we learn to incorporate it into our existence. Mm-hmm. We want to feel like, I want to be over him and I want to be over this. I want to put this behind me? Or are you ever over the loss of a person you love? If somebody in your life, if anyone who's experienced the death of a loved one, 
you're not over it. No. You learn to incorporate that into your life and accept it and go on with it. Yep. It doesn't always hurt as much. It doesn't always hurt with the same level of intensity, yep. but you're not over it. And there's not closure. I can't imagine I'll ever be over this. I think this will always be a pain I carry for the rest of my life until the day I drop dead. Mm-hmm. I will always feel sadness that I couldn't make this work. Mm-hmm. make my marriage work, mm-hmm. but I expect it won't mm-hmm. be so like bring me to my knees every time. Yeah. You'll carry it differently. Right. And, and that deep loss is the price of great love. Yes. Oh, God. And I'll take that any day. I, I mean, know. I'm not sorry for any of it and I'll fall in love again. I, or I'm open to it. I hope I do. Yes. Ah, oh, thank you, my friend. I really appreciate your openness and honesty always, your authenticity. I don't know how else to show up, I've decided. It just doesn't yep. work. And I don't feel good when I don't show up as my real self. Yep. <laughs> I just, yep. It's like everything in me is like, you're being weird. Why are you talking like that and posturing and being all like, <laughs> yes. you know, like I hate that. I hate that. I just like, I'm going to be my crazy self. And yep. here we go. So well, I am here for it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us again. Oh my gosh, Juliet, you're awesome. I love you. Thank you. Thanks. So who you calling crazy? I think you mean human. We are removing the stigma, y'all. Say it loud and proud. Yep, I go to therapy. Who you calling crazy?